Well, good morning, everybody. All right. Summer's finally here. Yes. It's not freezing at night. So it's so good to see. I'm, there are a lot of people here. I think there's some first-timers and, and some people I haven't seen in a while. Um, up from, uh, well, I'm going to say up from Texas, but from everywhere. So welcome. Good to have everybody here. Uh, just, uh, and all the way from Nepal. All right. Well, uh, we had to take that passage. It's a really long passage. And to shorten it up, I apologize, but I would encourage you to go back and look at um, Acts 27. It's a pretty amazing story at the end of Paul's, uh, at the end of the book of Acts and Paul's transition from the GMC over into uh, to Rome. So pretty, uh, just sort of uh, heroic events happen in there. And also I would mention just a little brief note on our website is a little uh, button somewhere on the, near the top, but Claire and I are going to go to the GMC for a Journeys of Paul trip next summer, next May. So if you're interested in that, let me know or just go on the website and check that out. We'd love for any of you to come with us if you can. Um, so this is a story of suspense at sea. I hope you caught some of that. Uh, I don't know if any of you ever read the Swiss Family Robinson. Anybody read that growing up? Maybe you saw the show. Um, th- th- reading this and thinking about it a lot, especially the narrative, this is a pretty, you know, I call it a robust narrative in the scripture where there's a lot of detail because Luke is actually on the ship, right? Several of these guys are with Paul as he's been arrested and is being taken to Rome for this trial or the, to be before Caesar. Uh, and it, the storm descriptions reminded me of, of the Swiss family Robinson. My dad used to read to me every night, um, and uh, he would sit beside my bed and read. And this was this is my copy of the Swiss Family Robinson. It's my show and tell today. I couldn't resist it. I'm sorry if this is like a diversion, but um, this is my dad's, and it was given to him in 1942 um, by his, I guess, his grandmother. And then his sister, my name's in here for my mom, uh, writing it in. I guess so I wouldn't lose it in my room. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> And his sister, Mary, it says, Marion Wynn, Mrs. Mills class, room 220, Highland Park Junior High School. So that was probably 1950. I want to read to you just the first sentence of the whole book. See if this resonates. For many days we'd been tempest-tossed. Six times had the darkness closed over a wild and terrific scene. Returning light, and returning light is often brought, but renewed distress. For the raging storm increased in fury until on the seventh day, all hope was lost. Pretty good start. But doesn't it sound like what we just read? Um, If you want to come and look at my show and tell later, you can come and look at it. So... Here's the main thing today. Um, I, think, I, I think it's, it's curious to look at this. We read it like a story. Oh, that's another thing that happened to Paul and some of the folks that followed Jesus. It, you know, we say, you know, or I say to myself, how, how is it that the way forward for the early church, for the gospel to go out, was for one of the critical leaders and some of the other ones, and the ones who, one who would write the book that we're reading, 
would actually be under arrest and then in a crazy storm where they despaired of life that ended in shipwreck. That doesn't sound like the most encouraging way forward. Is that curious to you? That, that struggle and disaster and uh, just fear were a big part of what was happening to the people who were leading the early church? Um, it is to me. I, I think that I think God should just open the way and make it really easy. I think it should be easy to follow Jesus. I'm not kidding. I think that, unfortunately. But when we look at the story of the church, we find out that maybe that's not exactly the way it works. So, again, the main point, though, is, is um, I think in all of our lives, there will be storms. I want to take this passage as simply as we possibly can. In all of our lives, there are going to be storms. In fact, I think probably every single person in here is dealing with some kind of storm in life. If you're not dealing with a storm right now, you're dealing with the after effects of the storm. There's a storm that's coming. We're all wrestling with storms in our lives. So if there are storms, how is it that we move forward with Jesus through those storms? How will we handle them? How can we learn from this storm, the followers of Jesus in this storm? So here's what I want to, to take, this is how I want to take us through to answer that question. The storm, strength to survive the storm, and suspense within it. So storm, strength, and suspense. So let's talk about the storm for just a minute. Uh, there's a lot of foreshadowing here, and we didn't read a whole lot of it, but I want to bring to your attention, we'll be all, almost all in Acts 27. In verse 10, Paul gives a warning before they leave, and he says, Sirs, I, per- I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. I feel like I maybe missed a little bit of wisdom being given to me when I was, or maybe, maybe I was read it in the Swiss Family Robinson. I just missed it. Um, we should all be told that there is going to be loss in life. Now, I don't want to be depressing or anything. I just want to be honest and real for a minute. Um, Paul says, I perceive that in this voyage, there's going to be loss. I guess that's what I'm saying in setting up this message to my friends in this room, to myself, to my family. I perceive that there's going to be loss. This was a normal storm pattern, so Paul wasn't like surprising them with something. He wasn't saying something that they didn't expect. Uh, You might have noticed at the beginning it said it was right after the fast, so they were sort of using the Hebrew calendar to explain to us in the future what the, the timing was. So that meant it was the Yom Kippur holiday, and so this was the fast, the big fast. And uh, so it was October. Uh, it was too late to sail in November. So they were risking it going in, in October. Always a dangerous time to sail. Now, I didn't personally know that. I had to look it up and find out, just in case you were wondering. Um, but storms in the Bible, weather in the Bible, is not something new. 
If you look back and just think about weather in the scripture, I bet every one of you, whether you have Bible knowledge or not, can come up with a whole bunch of things related to weather. Like, you know, early Genesis, we have Noah, we have Jonah, we have Elijah's drought. And remember his desperation and all of that? Uh, And that happened several times. We have a storm on the sea with the disciples. So weather is nothing new in the story of the gospel in, in its entirety from the beginning to the end of the scripture. Paul himself has been in other shipwrecks. He's been beaten multiple times. He's been beaten so badly that his attackers left him for dead. That's a pretty bad beating. Uh, he's been imprisoned. He's been tr- on trial before different kinds of uh, uh, authorities. He's been accused. He's lost relationships of friends and family. All of these things, at least Paul, and, and I'm sure all of the other apostles as well, all of these things happened to them and were happening him. There were storms in the Bible, whether they were uh, literal storms causing personal distress or storms in life, storms related to just things happening to us that are, seem unrelated to what God is doing with us, or, and also storms related to the movement of the gospel. Imagine with me, just sort of try to put yourself, if you can, on the ship just for a minute. This is verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. They gave up, right? The seas were so rough. So picture this. They're so rough. The the ship is being tossed so wildly. It's totally out of their control. Imagine, you know, trying to press. I'm thinking I'm pressing myself into like a corner somewhere, trying to hold on you know, as tightly as I can. I'm holding on to like a rope or something that's, you know, uh, nailed to the, to, the, to the deck or something. Um, and, you know, as the ship tosses and gets thrown around, I'm barely holding on, you know, just being thrown around, totally out of control, just whipped by the pitch of the ship on the sea. There was no way for these people, even the sailors, to have any input in what was happening in their lives at that moment. They were in a storm. They were condemned simply to endure. There was nothing they could do. Now, I think a storm or shipwreck sounds like a a pretty good metaphor for suffering in life. Um, Many of us have been beaten down literally and figuratively in life in different ways. Some of us have been left for dead in different ways. Some of us have been imprisoned literally, mentally, relationally. Some of us have been put on trial by others. Some of us are accused. Some of us accuse ourselves. We have broken relationships with people with whom we should be the closest. Some of us have health issues. Some of us face financial insecurity or housing insecurity. Some have addictions that seem unbearable and unbeatable. All of those are those situations where we're pressing ourselves into a corner while the ship is out of control and we're trying to hold on with all that we've got. There will be storms. There are storms. But there is strength. Let's talk about that for just a minute. If we're going to face storms, how is it that we face those storms? What do we learn? I want to give you two suggestions I think Paul had a hold of both of these and probably Luke and others as well that were on that boat. Uh, One is this, to know your mission. 
I mean, there are a lot of things I could say, but I'm going to try to draw this out of what I think was happening with these people at least. One, they knew their mission, and two, they knew the Word of God. They knew their mission, they knew the Word of God. You and I, if you're a believer, you need to know your mission, you need to know the Word of God. Uh, Paul knew what his mission was. He, he faced a great deal of suffering for Jesus, but he knew why, right? Those questions were answered for him, not about the storm itself, not the weather, but the fact that he was going somewhere to do something for Christ kept him moving. His goal, his mission, was to take the gospel outside of the Jewish community. And you know, that's another thing that I think we should ask questions about because, God, because Paul had been set up to be a leader of Jewish people. He was highly trained by the best teachers, right? He had all of this stuff going on. He was even a Roman citizen. He had everything he needed to have power to teach the Jewish people, right? Jew of Jews is what he called himself. But his mission was to reach people who didn't know anything about Jewish history. That's one reason he's on his way to Rome. He's on a mission. Let me read to you from Ephesians 3, 7 and 8. This is just one of the places where his mission comes up. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given, this one, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. He knew what he was doing. So I do have a question for you. Do you know what your mission is as a believer? We're not all here to do the exact same thing. Not all of us do the same thing in the church, in the family of Christ. Do you know what your mission is? Have you spent time with God, asking him, seeking him, reading his word, journaling, thinking about it? What, ask him, what is it that you have for me? What is it, Jesus, that you have for me? for me? What is your calling? What is it that you do in the church? Not to earn something, just because God made you to do it. And sometimes the role that we have is not the one that we were trained for. God has something else for us, just like Paul. So even when the storm arose, Paul knew what his mission was. Do you know what your mission is within the church? The second thing is know the word. Uh, so this is interesting, and I've actually avoided ever teaching on this passage before because of this particular part of the story, because um, I really didn't know how to take it, how to teach it, how to talk about it. Um, and I'm not saying that I do now. I'm just going to share with you my observation from this. Uh, in verse 23, Paul is talking to the leaders, the, the, the sailors, the captain, the centurion, those who are in charge, and he says, uh, this is in the morning, he says, for this very night, the night before, there stood before me, in verse 23, by the way, um, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I, I worship. He worships the God of this angel. And he said, this angel said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. You are going to go to Rome. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. You've been praying for these people. They're going with you. So Paul says, take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. We're going to have a shipwreck. Uh, 
Why is it that Paul alone receives a vision? Why is it that one person receives this vision of someone giving him the word of God? Something so powerful that he remembers all the words of it, that he brings it to these people and he says, this is going to happen. Should I be having some kind of vision? Should you be having some? What, what is going on? Why is that happening? Why does he have a special word from God? And so I've, I've always wrestled with that. How are we supposed to, to know or work through that or understand? Or am I not good enough to have that? Am I not right enough? You know, what, what is it that... You know, I start going through this list in my head. Um, and then last, I, then I was reflecting on the message last week that my friend brought to us uh, out of our series on spiritual practices. And the spiritual practice that we were looking at was the practice of studying the Word, spending time in the Word of God. And so he encourages over and over again in different ways that we need to spend time in the Word of God and know it and and put it in our hearts. And I just want to read you part of the passage that he shared. This is from Psalm 19. It's talking about the Word. Because you see, I may not have an angel speaking to me, but I have the Word of God. The law of the Lord is perfect, verse 7. Reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even than much fine gold. They're sweeter than honey in the drippings of the honeycomb. I do have his words. You do have his words. They're spoken to us to encourage, to teach and revive. Has he spoken about storms in our lives in the word of God, in his word? Yes. Has he, has he given direction about our mission, who and how and why we live in as Christians? Your mission as a follower of Jesus? Yes. I have the word. I, I was so focused on what Paul received that I couldn't see what God had given. Know your mission and know the word. This will help. Not solve all your problems, not make everything right, but it will help in the storm. And and one more thing, I'll just add this. It is very important. You need community from other believers to help you. You need to be connected and surrounded by believers in the church. We need each other. Broken as we are, messed up as we are, uh, we're all over the place in this room right here. But if you love Jesus We love Jesus together. We need each other. We've got to walk together in life through the storms. So there's a storm, for sure. A little bit about strength and how to move through it. And then I want to talk just for a minute about suspense. In suspense, in trouble, in suspense, in the storm. These people were living in suspense, right? Each day, as they held on as tight as they could, they were hoping that they could believe that something good would happen. They're just living for hope, right? Um, How do you feel about living in suspense? I'll, I'll go ahead and answer this for most of you. You probably don't like living in suspense. 
this was a long storm. It was a hard ordeal. This, I think, and this was Stanley Robinson, it says like seven days of a storm. This one, in verse 33, it says, uh, Paul says, he, he urged them to take some food. Today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. I mean, this is two weeks at sea in a storm. Um, 14 days, no end in sight, physically painful, and Paul's promising them that they're going to survive, but they're going to be shipwrecked before they survive. That's, that's not great news. Um, now, I can swim, but in a huge high sea in a storm, I don't know. And back then, they didn't have, like, swim lessons like we do, you know? You remember when you were a little kid, and your mom or your dad or you, however you, got, you went to swim lessons in the early summer, like in June, and it was freezing. I hated that. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad I got it, right? These guys didn't have a, a cold pool to get into. They didn't know how to swim for the most part. Things are going to get worse before they're going to get better. This ship is going to get destroyed and run aground, but you're going to make it through. And you know, I don't know if you noticed uh, when Martin was reading that, it said that even the pros, even the guys who were the sailors, didn't even recognize where they were. They were just headed towards some island or some land. And, you know, when the, when the pros can't help you, the guides can't help you, they can't tell you what to do next, it's going to get worse. But I, something, um, I... I feel like God has led me to something important in my life recently um, about suspense, about living in suspense. Suspense is not knowing the future, not knowing how things are going to go down. Whether I think the ending is going to be good or painful, or if it is good or painful, I'm in suspense, I'm hung in between. My wife, uh, she loves music, and so I'll listen to a song, and I'll think, that sounded nice. I like the way that sounded. And she's like, didn't you listen to every single word? Like, no, I, I didn't listen to every word. And she goes, well, there are all these words you need to hear. So then she'll tell me what they were. And this is one of those times. This song, uh, it's by a woman named J.J. Heller. Um, and I want to share a few words of it with you um, So bear with me. I think we've got the words over there. Just a couple of verses. Everything around me seems uncertain. My weary heart can't take much more surprise. I wish there was a point on the horizon, something I could see with my own eyes. I need to tell you that I'm scared. I feel completely unprepared. And nothing's what it was two weeks ago. But you already know. I can't seem to find the easy answers. Someday I hope this suffering makes sense. I just need to know that you are with me, even if you keep me in suspense. You already know, whatever I'm feeling, whatever's coming, whenever the ending, you're already there. You go before me, you go behind me. Wherever I'm going, you're already there. You already know. That's 
her lyrics that are completely biblical. Suspense. God allows us to be in suspense, even when it doesn't make sense to us. And so here's what I want to say about suspense. It's okay. It's okay to be in suspense, to be suspended in between what you think, what you hope for, what you're anticipating, and how things might work out in the reality that they may not go that way, or that things are really rough right now. And I don't know how to solve this problem. Being in suspense is okay. And the reason is that the Bible tells me that God has gone before me through his son, Jesus. So I'm going to conclude. Let me ask the musicians to come back up, and we'll do the last psalm. But, uh, see, all of us were born into a storm. Every one of us, every human was born into a storm. And is a storm hosted by sin as rough as it can possibly be? Um, I and you have taken part in that storm. We all have taken part in the storm and causing the storm and enjoying the storm and making the storm worse. And our just recompense is to suffer in the storm. Uh, But because Jesus has gone before us, because he went where we would have had to go, uh, you and I have been made free. And the suspense that we live in is not a suspense uh, that is forever. It may be a big part of this life, but it is not forever. Um, You are free, if you are a believer in Christ, you are free from the consequences of the storm. He rescued you, he rescued me, all of us, by taking the storm on and within himself. He faced the justice of the Father for us. He took on the storm. It's okay to live in suspense. Our boat completely broke apart and he rescued us. We were shipwrecked. If your faith is in him, it's okay.